0: Section forty six, chapter twenty three, part two. Chapter twenty three, part two of The Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter twenty three, part two in quitting the apartment in company with the unnamed whose hand he still grasped the cardinal cast another glance upon the poor man who remained behind looking very awkward and mortified and with a doleful expression of countenance thinking that possibly his vexation arose from being apparently overlooked and left as it were in a corner particularly in contrast with the notoriously wicked character now so warmly received and welcomed he turned towards him in passing and hung back for a moment and said to him with a friendly smile signor curate thou wert ever with me in the house of our kind father but this this one perierat et inventus est oh how glad i am to hear it said don making a profound reverence to the two together the archbishop then went on gave a slight push to the door which was immediately opened from without by two servants who stood outside and the notable pair stood before the longing eyes of the clergy assembled in the apartment they gazed with interest upon their two countenances both of which bore the traces of a very different but equally profound emotion a grateful tenderness an humble joy on federigo's venerable features and on those of the unnamed confusion tempered with consolation a new and unusual modesty and a feeling of contrition through which the vigor of his wild and fiery temper was nevertheless still apparent it was afterwards found that the passage in the prophet isaiah had occurred to more than one of the spectators the wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock Isaiah 1 XV 25 behind them came Don Bondio to whom no one paid any attention when they had reached the middle of the room the cardinal's groom of the chamber entered on the opposite side and informed his master that he had executed all the orders communicated to him by the chaplain that the litter and mules were in readiness and they only waited the arrival of the female whom the curate was to bring the cardinal bid him tell the priest when he came back that don abondio wished to speak with him and then all the rest was left under the direction of the latter and the unnamed whom the cardinal again shook warmly by the hand on taking leave saying i shall expect you then turning to salute donna bondio with a bow he set off in the direction of the church followed by the clergy half grouped and half in procession while the fellow travelers remained alone in the apartment the unnamed stood wrapped up in his own thoughts and impatient for the moment when he might go to liberate his Lucia from her sufferings and confinement, his now in a very different sense from that in which she was so the day before, and his face expressed a feeling of intense agitation, which to Don Abondio's suspicious eye might easily appear something worse. He peeped and glanced at him from the corner of his eye, and longed to start some friendly conversation. "'But what can I say to him?' thought he. "'Must I say again I am glad?' "'Glad of what?' "'That having been hitherto a devil, he has at last resolved to become a gentleman like others?' "'A fine compliment, indeed. "'Eh, eh?' eh however i may turn the words i am glad can mean nothing else and after all will it be true that he has become a gentleman so on a sudden there are so many displays made in the world and from so many motives what do i know about it and in the meantime i have to go with him and to that castle oh what a tale what a tale what a tale is this to tell who would have told me this this morning ah if i can but escape in safety my lady perpetua shan't soon hear the end of it from me for having sent me here by force when there was no necessity for it out of my own parish with her fine plausible reasons that all the priests for many a mile round would flock hither even those who were further off than i and that i mustn't be behindhand and this that and the other and then to embark me in a business of this sort oh poor me but i must say something to this man and he had just thought of that something and was on the point of opening his mouth to say i never anticipated the pleasure of being thrown into such honourable company when the groom of the chamber entered with the curate of the parish who announced that the woman was waiting in the litter and then turned to don abondio to receive from him the further commission of the cardinal don abondio delivered himself as well as he could in the confusion of mind under which he was labouring and then drawing up to the groom said to him pray give me at least a quiet beast for to tell the truth i am but a poor horseman you may imagine replied the groom with a half smile it is the secretary's mule who is a very learned man that will do replied donna bondio and he continued to ruminate heaven send me a good one signor had readily set off the moment he had heard the announcement but on reaching the door and perceiving that Don Abbondio was remaining behind he stood still to wait for him. When he came up, hastily, with an apologizing look, the Signor bowed and made him pass on first, with a courteous and humble air, which somewhat reanimated the spirits of the unfortunate and tormented man, but scarcely had he set foot in the courtyard when he saw a new object of alarm which quickly dissipated all his reviving confidence he beheld the unnamed go towards the corner take hold of the barrel of his carabine with one hand and of the strap with the other and with a rapid motion as if performing the military exercise swing it over his shoulder alas alas woe is me thought don abbondio what would he do with that weapon suitable sackcloth truly fine discipline for a new convert and supposing some fancy should take him oh what an expedition what an expedition could this signor have suspected for a moment what kind of thoughts they were which were passing through his companion's mind it is difficult to say what he would not have done to reassure him. But he was far enough away from such a suspicion, and Don Abondio carefully avoided any movement which would distinctly express, I don't trust your lordship. On reaching the door into the street, they found the two animals in readiness. The unnamed mounted one, which was held for him by a hostler, isn't it vicious, said Donna Bondio to the valet, as he stood with one foot suspended on the stirrup and the other still resting on the ground? You may go with a perfectly easy mind, it's a very lamb, replied the man and Donna Bondio, grasping the saddle and assisted by the groom, gradually mounted upwards and at last found himself safely seated on the creature's back. The litter which stood a few paces in advance and was borne by two mules moved forward at the word of the attendant and the party set off they had to pass before the church which was full to overflowing with people and through a little square also swarming with the villagers and newly arrived visitors whom the building could not accommodate the glad news had already spread and on the appearance of the party and more especially of him who only a few hours before had been an object of terror and execration but was now the object of joyful wonder there arose from the crowd almost a murmur of applause and as they made their way for him even their eagerness was hushed in the desire to obtain a near view of him the litter passed on the unnamed followed and when he arrived before the open door of the church took off his hat and bowed his hitherto dreaded forehead till it almost touched the animal's mane amidst the murmur of a hundred voices exclaiming god bless you Donabondio also took off his hat and bending low recommended himself to heaven But hearing the solemn harmony of his brethren as they chanted in chorus he was so overcome with a feeling of envy a mournful tenderness of spirit and a sudden fervour of heart that it was with difficulty he restrained his tears when they got beyond the habitations into the open country and in the often entirely deserted windings of the road a still darker cloud overspread his thoughts. The only object on which his eye could rest with any confidence was the attendant on the litter, who, belonging to the cardinal's household, must certainly be an honest man, and who, besides, did not look like a coward. From time to time passengers appeared, sometimes even in groups who were flocking to see the cardinal, and this was a great relief to Donabondio. it was however but transitory and he was advancing towards that tremendous valley where he should meet none but the vassals of his companion and what vassals he now more than ever longed to enter into conversation with this companion both to sound him a little more and to keep him in good humour but even this wish vanished on seeing him so completely absorbed in his own thoughts he must then talk to himself and we will present the reader with a part of the poor man's soliloquy during his journey for it would require a volume to record the whole it is a fine thing truly that saints as well as sinners must have quicksilver in their compositions and cannot be content with fussing about and busying themselves but must also bring into the dance with them the whole world if they can, and that the greatest busybodies must just come upon me who never meddle with anybody and drag me by the hair into their affairs. Me who ask for nothing but to be left alone. That mad rascal of a Don Rodrigo! What does he want to make him the happiest man in the world if he had but the least grain of judgment? He is rich, he is young, he is respected and courted, he is sick with too much prosperity, and must needs go about making trouble for himself and his neighbour. He might follow the ways of St. Michael. Oh no, my gentleman doesn't choose. He chooses to set up the trade of molesting women. The most absurd, the most vile, the most insane business in the world. He might ride to heaven in his carriage and chooses rather to walk halting to the devil's dwelling and this man and here he looked at him as if he suspected he could hear his very thoughts this man after turning the world upside down with his wickedness now he turns it upside down with his conversion if it prove really so in the meanwhile it falls to me to make the trial so it is that when people are born with this madness in their veins they must always be making a noise is it so difficult to act an honest part all one's life as i have done oh no my good sir they must kill and quarter play the devil oh poor me and then comes a great stir even when doing penance repentance when there is an inclination to it can be performed at home quietly without so much show without giving so much trouble to one's neighbors and his illustrious lordship instantly with open arms calling him his dear friend his dear friend and this man listens to all he says as if he had seen him work miracles and then he must all at once come to a resolution and rush it to hand and foot one minute here the next there we at home should call this precipitation and to deliver a poor curate into his hands without the smallest security this may be called playing with a man at great odds a holy bishop as he is ought to value his curate as the apple of his eye it seems to me there might be a little moderation, a little prudence, a little charity along with sanctity. Supposing this should be all a mere show, who can tell all the intentions of men, and particularly of such a man as this? To think that it is my lot to go with him to his own house. There may be some underwork of the devil here. Oh, poor me. It is best not to think about it how is lucia mixed up with all this it is plain don rodrigo had some designs upon her what people and suppose it is exactly thus how then has this man got her into his clutches who knows i wonder it is all a secret with my lord and to me whom they are making trot about in this way they don't tell a word i don't care about knowing other people's affairs but when i have to risk my skin in the matter i have a right to know something if it be only to go and fetch away this poor creature patience though he could easily enough bring her straight away himself and besides if he is really converted if he has become a holy father what need is there of me oh what a chaos while it is heaven's will it should be thus it will be a very great inconvenience but patience i shall be glad too for this poor lucia she also must have escaped some terrible issue heaven knows what she must have suffered i pity her but she was born to be my ruin at least i wish i could look into his heart and see what he is thinking about who can understand him just look now one minute he looks like saint anthony in the desert The next, he is like Holofernes himself. Oh, poor me, poor me. Well, heaven is under an obligation to help me, since I didn't get myself into this danger with my own good will. In fact, the thoughts of the unnamed might be seen, so to say, passing over his countenance, as in a stormy day the clouds flit across the face of the sun, producing every now and then an alternation of dazzling light and gloomy shade his soul still quite absorbed in reflection upon federigo's soothing words and as it were renewed and made young again with fresh life now rose with cheerful hope at the idea of mercy pardon and love and then again sank beneath the weight of the terrible past He anxiously tried to select those deeds of iniquity which were yet reparable, and those which he could still arrest in the midst of their progress. He considered what remedies would be most certain and expeditious, how to disentangle so many knots, what to do with so many accomplices, but it was all obscurity and difficulty, In this very expedition, the easiest of execution and so near its termination, he went with a willingness mingled with grief at the thought that in the meanwhile the poor girl was suffering. God knew how much, and that he, while burning to liberate her, was all the while the cause of her suffering. At every turn or fork in the road, the mule-driver looked back for directions as to the way. The unnamed signified it with his hand, and at the same time beckoned to him to make haste. They entered the valley. How must Donabondio have felt then, that renowned valley of which he had heard such black and horrible stories, to be actually within it, those men of notorious fame, the flower of the bravos of Italy men without fear and without mercy, to see them in flesh and blood, to meet one, two, or three at every turn of a corner. They bowed submissively to the Signor, but their sunburnt visages, their rough mustachios, their large fierce eyes, they seemed to Don Bondio's mind to mean, Shall we dispatch that priest? so that in a moment of extreme consternation the thought rushed into his mind. Would that I had married them! Worse could not befall me. In the meanwhile they went forward along a gravelly path by the side of the torrent. On one hand was a view of isolated and solid rocks, on the other a population which would have made even a desert seem desirable. Dante was not in a worse situation in the midst of Malibolga. They passed the front of Malanotte, where bravos were lounging at the door, who bowed to the signor and gazed at his companion and the litter. They knew not what to think the departure of the unnamed in the morning by himself had already seemed extraordinary, and his return was not less so. Was it a captive that he was conducting, and how had he accomplished it alone? and what was the meaning of a strange litter and whose could this livery be they looked and looked but no one moved because such was the command they read in his eye and expression they climbed the ascent and reached the summit the bravos on the terrace and round the gate retired on either side to make room for him the unnamed motioned to them to retreat no farther, spurted forward and passed before the litter, beckoned to the driver and Donabondio Bondio to follow him, entered an outer court and thence into a second, went towards a small postern, made signs to a bravo, who was hastening to hold his stirrup to keep back, and said to him, You there, and no one nearer, He then dismounted, and holding the bridle advanced towards the litter, addressed himself to the female who had just drawn back the curtain, and said to her in an undertone, Comfort her directly, let her understand at once that she is at liberty and among friends. God will reward you for it. He then ordered the driver to open the door and assist her to get out. Advancing, then, to Donna Bondio with a look of greater serenity than the poor man had yet seen, or thought it possible he could see on his countenance, in which there might now be traced joy at the good work which was at length so near its completion, he lent him his arm to dismount, saying to him at the same time, in a low voice, "Signor curate, I do not apologise for the trouble you have had on my account.' You are bearing it for one who rewards bountifully, and for this his poor creature. This look and these words once more put heart into Donna Bondio, and drawing a long breath, which for an hour past had been striving ineffectually to find vent, he replied, whether or not in a submissive tone it need not be asked, Is your lordship joking with me? and accepting the hand which was so courteously offered he slid down from the saddle as he best could the unnamed took the bridle and handed it with his own to the driver bidding him wait there outside for him taking a key from his pocket he opened the postern admitted the curate and the woman followed them in advanced to lead the way went to the foot of the stairs and they all three ascended in silence. End of chapter 23, part 2